Welcome to From the Rooker End, brought to you by The Athletic. You might be wondering, why are we doing a podcast? Well, we've just seen Watford play. It's been such a long time, we had to do what we like to do after seeing Watford play. Uh, And what we've just seen is Watford beating Wolves in the FA Cup semi-final a year ago. It was such a good game then, but we watched it again. In fact, someone on this podcast has has never seen it all the way through. Uh, My name is John. I'm joined by DCW. Hello. You did see it, DCW, didn't you, on on the day? I did. I watched it in New York. I was over in the States for WrestleMania, continuing my habit of not being at any of the momentous games in Watford's (laughs) history, really. Uh, But I watched it. I watched it all with my with my housemate and we watched it in a packed basement bar, Legends Bar in central Manhattan. And there was about 30 but about 30-odd, maybe even 40 Watford fans there. Some were who lived out there. Some people were over WrestleMania. Some people just happened to be on holiday, didn't look ahead and and expect that we were going to be in the FA Cup semi-final. And it, it was amazing. It was amazing to share it with all those people. We, we would otherwise have no reason to have ever met, but we were. I was hugging and kissing them like they were <laughs> my long-lost brothers and sisters by the end of it all. Uh, and Mike is with us as well. Mike, you, you, again, you haven't watched this the full 120 and a bit minutes, uh, but you were also in New York for WrestleMania. Yeah, a few blocks down from uh, from DCW. Unfortunately, uh, not quite as footloose and fancy free as uh, uh, as Mr. Walker <laughs> that that morning. Anyone who's got got kids and uh, or has been on holiday with a family will will know the difficulties of trying to get anywhere on on time. Uh, and we just weren't able to make it make it work to meet DCW and the rest of the gang in uh, in the city centre. So we we were following on a rather um, disruptive uh, disrupted internet feed i was i was i was following on bbc text and arlo had found another app he was watching it in the in the other room we actually had quite a big argument because when the when the penalty was given bbc live text reported it as a penalty to wolves so i was smashing things around kicking the proverbial cat throwing my uh, tin of budweiser against the wall and in the other room i was going dad why are you so angry is a penalty to botford i'm like no it's a penalty to wolves you buffoon um so we had this massive <laughs> argument uh, in new york about who had got this penalty and then uh, oh you hear arlo and, and leanne and flo go berserk in the other room and i'm still trying to work out who whether watford have actually got the penalty and uh, before i know it, it's it's two all so yeah following on a on a jittery um internet connection in uh, i was actually in brooklyn in, at, at, at the time and uh, just extraordinary but to see it again for the first well to see it again to see it for the, i've seen the goals in isolation but i've never sat down and watched the whole game and to do that this uh, this afternoon was an, was an absolute and i use this word a lot but it was genuinely an absolutely extraordinary uh, experience my heart is still beating we're, we're talking just about five or ten minutes after the the broadcast finished and my we all watched it together we all gathered around the tv liam was asking how long's left how long's left arlo was up and cheering and sort of punching the air it was incredible to watch it and I think it just goes to show how important and meaningful these events are for us as as Watford supporters aren't they and it just made me realise just what an incredible uh, occasion and event it was DCW, did you did you cheer every goal again, and did you did you feel as nervous as I did in the last few minutes? I did, I did. I went absolutely mad for the the penalty, especially 
uh, and and the second goal from Delafeo in extra time. I was punching the air with with wild abandon on my sofa just now. Nearly punched the laptop. It was an ama- yeah. As Mike said, it's, it is amazing to watch it back. Obviously, I wasn't as nervous as I was at the time. I don't, I don't think I have ever ever been as nervous and tense as I was during the wait from the penalty being awarded <laughs> with the VAR check and then waiting for Dini to hit it. I can just remember just uh, just talking to myself. I, God knows what I was saying. <laughs> I was just pacing up and down. I think I had my arms around two people I'd never met before. And I, I was just praying, hoping, wishing, using every ounce of ridiculous superstition I could think of to just pray and get that ball in. Because that the amazing thing about the game, I'm sure look, we'll talk about it more, but... People always say that it's two nil down. You came from two nil down to win three two, and yeah, of course we were dead and buried. It was it was two nil down with fifteen minutes ago, whatever it was. But we, we sort of forget that we were two one down with about five seconds to go. Yeah, yeah. you know it, that's the crucial thing. The Delafeu goal was amazing, but it was still only half the job done. We we kept going, we kept going, we kept going, and we got the luck. We got that moment. You know, we forced it. And we got a penalty, but he had to score it. And he came close. It was a whisker away from being missed, uh, from Ruddy saving it. But he did it. He delivered. And that moment, it was just, just amazing. And watching it again, it just, you know, hairs on the back of your neck go up again. I did I did see you a couple of hours after the final whistle. We, uh, we, we finally got to see each other at MetLife Stadium, didn't we? And we just, uh, yeah. no words to start with. Just a, just a very, very big hug. But I think if you look, uh, if you Google... Um, if you do a Google Im- image search for emotionally drained, I think the first picture you'll probably see is DCW. He just looked absolutely every ounce of emotional energy and, and strength had just been sapped by watch- watching that game and, and just sitting watching it over again. You can just, it, you relive it, don't you? It just, it's so tense. But I think what, what DCW said there about Watford getting a bit of luck, I'm not sure it was luck. I think they just kept going and kept going and they really did. No, you're right, you're right. They really did force their way back into it and I think they... Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're zipping about all over the place here. but Easy, Mike, easy, Mike. Let, let's talk about the game because I suppose what I, I loved about rewatching it more than anything was the little things. And I'd completely forgotten, the first half particularly, I'd completely forgotten about the, the Andre Gray mischance mm. in that, there were two mischances he had in the first half. Uh, it, but, but it was such a competition that first half. It was, and Watford played it incredibly well. And, it, and it, one of the great things about it, watching it back, is that it was clearly such a great semi-final. I mean, we obviously have incredibly fond memories of it, but I think the, the watching world, the neutrals will have really enjoyed that match as well. It set off at an absolute rip-roaring pace, didn't it? End to end, to end both teams fashioning chances, both teams looking sort of bright and vibrant and, and confident. It was a real joy to watch. All too often, these these semi-finals are quite turgid affairs, aren't they? A bit of shadow boxing, but there was absolutely none of it, none of it with this um, with this with this Watford performance. And and from Wolves, of course, both teams going in absolute sky high confidence, weren't they? Watford at the time were were flying in the league. We'd beaten Fulham in the in the league, hadn't we? The during the during the week, we'd smashed them and relegated them. Andre Gray, who you mentioned there, John had played quite well in that game. I seem to uh, seem to recall mm. and. Um, yeah, but it's just uh, it, watching it. Is, it felt almost like a bygone era, not just because it was great just to watch football again, because we haven't seen any for, for for such a long period of time. But it does feel like a very very different Watford side, doesn't it? Even though it was only twelve months ago and very, pretty much exactly the same personnel. But that first half was an absolute battle, and what I love about it is it was so Watford, wasn't it, to to be going in one nil down because Watford did create all the early chances. They had made a lot of the running. 
and we kind of got ourselves in a bit of a muddle, didn't we, for the goal? We someone lost their marker and uh, and Doherty scored. Yeah. yeah, and it was just so. It was all like ah, that's such that's so Watford thing to do, isn't it? Do do really well, get to the grand stage, acquit themselves really well, and then they and then they switch off a little bit for the goal. And that was I thought that was quite reassuring. Watford give, doing a really good showing, and then just not not managing to quite see it through. And it and it was almost like it felt like that was going to be the set the tone for the rest of the game. But luckily, it wasn't to wasn't to be. But so close, but so entertaining as well which was which was great to watch on the great to get that feeling on the on the rewatch DW that you know, Watford uh, Wolves got their second goal and that was a point where Gerard Delafeu came on it, it never felt for me that Wolves were streaks ahead it was still a very even game but when Delafeu came on it completely tipped towards Watford I do remember feeling like we'd lost actually I remember feeling like that was it the second goal it's too much now. You know, the, mm. they, the, the next goal was always going to be important, that old cliche, and they got it. And I remember, I, I remember what I vividly remember, and I'm not trying to claim any, any uh, credit for what happened. That all goes down to Gerard Delafeo's wonderful right foot. But I moved to a different section of the bar <laughs> and sat down and watched a different TV. And I was sort of desolate. I was just sat, sitting down on a table at the side, sort of head in hand, just looking up at the screen. And then when we got the goal back, I was straight back up back onto the old TV and right in the mixer with everyone else. <laughs> Wolves did play into our hands a, a little bit and I think another reassuring thing is is, is when you watch Watford and you, and you have a lead and invariably your side sits back and tries to protect that lead and every every football sport thinks, oh, we always do this, we always sit back, we always invite the opposition on and of course it's not just your team that does it. As we saw um, at, at Wembley that afternoon, Wolves tried to, to shut up shop to a degree, didn't they, and, and made that substitution late on and they did invite Watford on. It's the wall substitutes that were didn't make sense to me on the day and they really still don't make sense to me having watched it again. Um, what was Nuno thinking about taking off the three players he did, particularly the two he took off before the end of the game? DCW? It was, it was striking, actually. That was one of the things that really stood out, watching it back to me. I, you're right, I, I do remember at the time being it being a thing. And actually, one of the things, watching it this time, so when I was watching it before, we were watching it, on a big screen and I, I think we did have a commentary on but it was like the world feed and of course you don't really listen do you when you're watching it in that circumstances when you're necking pints at 10am in the morning I didn't know what was going <laughs> on um, but listening to the commentary now and you and Danny Murphy on the co-coms was making such a big thing about how bad the substitutions were from mm. Nuno and he was completely right it was you know it looked like the it was almost as if that he didn't know extra time was a possibility like you know, you have to in a game like that. You have to always have a have an eye on what could happen. Anything can happen in football, and he really they were hamstrung by his 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 game management because as soon as you know the the game turned and we, you're facing the prospects of another half an hour, like some of their best Jota's off, Neves is off, and they've got a team sort of a, an out of sorts Oz and Sods team with you know players playing out of position, and. It, it was a real problem for them. And, you know, it's I suppose it's Nuno's been the sort of universally acclaimed manager. He's done a fantastic job at, at Wolves, no doubt about it. But he got that wrong big time. It was strange, wasn't it, to watch? I think that I think a lot of that st- the credit needs to go to, to Watford because Watford pretty much after the second goal, 
Watford battered Wolves, absolutely battered them. They didn't know if they were if they were coming and going. And you know, Nuno must have been. God, give me one of his first name. I hope you don't mind if you're listening, uh, <laughs> Nuno. But you know, they they what the Wolves were getting an absolute thumping. Watford were 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 entirely in the in, in the ascendancy. They were absolutely dominating. And I and I suspect he just felt, well, I've got to do something. I've got to make some sort of change here because this this tide is 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 ever growing, and we're gonna we're gonna drown under it if we're not careful. So I think instead of looking at um, the Wolves' decisions. I think we really do need to give credit to 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 the side that Javi had set up that afternoon, and the way they just kept going and kept going. There weren't loads and loads of clear cut chances, but but Watford were, were were increasingly dominant, and I think he was just forced. I think he was panicked into it to a degree just by the sheer weight of Watford's performance. It was just it just incrementally got got bigger and better and better and better, and it it just didn't stop. And I think he was forced. He was backed into a corner, and and obviously with hindsight, if they'd seen the game out in two one. It would have been a masterstroke, um, and like I say, they nearly did. Were, yeah, they did. They did. Yeah, of course they did. Um, but it was, you know, testament to Watford. They were kept going, ball in the area at a in a dangerous area, uh, and they had to they had to make that desperate lunge. How many times have we seen a Watford defender make that sort of uh, tackle? And it, it, Watford, it, Watford were the beneficiaries on this occasion. But it was solely down to that relentless, relentless uh, willingness to keep going and keep going and, and, and attacking to win the game. Or I guess in a semi final like that. What the one of the things that did strike me sitting down to watch it was the sheer enormity of the occasion. You know, the atmosphere really came through the the TV. Both sets of fans. You know, it's noisy. It was colourful. It sounds like a cliche, but it really was, wasn't it? It it crackled and popped all the way through, and you just you just sat up and took notice, even though you knew knew the result. And I think in a game like that, knowing that you're two one down with twenty, fifteen, ten, five minutes to go, you've got nothing to lose, so you can really let the the handbrake off. And that Watford side at that time of the season really was a very very decent and impressive side and it's almost it's it's um it's almost quite if you if you are in a semi-final that's perhaps is the where where you want to be with with nothing to lose if you lose the game 3-1 fine you had to go for it but also you have an opportunity to attack with a bit of abandon and and perhaps that's what happened but thrilling to watch and just just absolutely fabulous to see that Watford team turn the screw and ultimately force Wolves into those uh, mistakes it's just a really joyous performance for Watford let's have a chat about some of the the individual performances we know how much it was a team performance that sort of got us the the win in the in the end we've talked about the the, the turning of the of the game when Joe Delafayu really came on. Uh, but let, let's get to him last. DCW, who really you know, stood out for you? Those, those sort of performances that you, again, in your slightly drunken state, first thing in the morning in New York <laughs> City. Who really stood out for you watching it this time round? It is a little bit hard to sort of pick out individuals because there's, there's no one that you can point to and said they had a really bad game. Even, even for the goals, like it's small errors. The core race should have tracked his man better for the first goal. The second goal was a decent finish. There's no one that had an absolute nightmare, and it's it was re- it was refreshing to see how many players played well, knowing what what we do and what's happened since. <laughs> but I think just to, to, to pick out a few, um, I think the fullbacks actually were probably two that stood out to me today watching it: Holibas and Femenia. And I mean, it was just wonderful seeing Holibas at his finest. <laughs> like we yes. haven't, for, for for a number of reasons, we haven't seen the best of him this season. He's been in and out of the team, injuries, another year older. Messina's improved, but Holibas back then he was tenacious. You know, he was wily, clever. You know, he he got a bit of a knock and had to go off, but he was making the most of it. He was, you know, coming winning every challenge, barking at walls and niggling at them, doing everything that he did well, but also. 
being a bit of a leader as well, like being composed when he had to, winning the ball, not 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 giving it away cheaply. Um, I thought it was really impressive. I, I I do one moment though that sticks out with him. I've forgotten until I saw it again today. I went absolutely mad at him when he missed that chance in the in the last minute. I, I thought <laughs> I remember turning to my housemate and going, "That was it. That was the effing chance," and he's completely skied it. Um, but overall, I thought his performance was was amazing, and I thought Kiko on the other side as well. I mean, what what a player he is on his day. Again, again, sort of been in and out this season, playing different positions, injuries. It's it's been a shame, but. He was just so energetic, kept the ball really well. I think Danny Murphy singled him out for praise on the on the commentary, and rightly so. He was he was very impressive. He was my favourite uh, of that game. Um, just I think because I really enjoy it when you see him tearing forward, uh, and and as you saw him tearing forward in the in the second half and in, in, in extra time, that was just a, a lovely feeling. Um, and those you know it was almost like if he was going forward, something could happen. Something could happen, as we know, it, it all did happen. Mike, you know, it's, it's, we talk about the the wing-backs, the centre pair, Cathcart and Mariapa were, were everything that we, we wanted for them and, and a little bit more. The midfield were the midfield. Uh, everything we love about them as well. Hughes and Capu and Decore just being at their best. But the one, I suppose, that is, is the massive talking point about this game and could go could have gone either way was the fact that it, you know Dini started up front with Andre Gray. And there were, of course, good reasons why he started that game. He'd played himself into a start and Delefeu had had sort of been having his, you know, not firing on all cylinders uh, for a, a few games before the semi-final. Andre had chances. He didn't take those chances, particularly two in the first half. If we hadn't won the game, he could easily have been, been the bad guy. But he ran and he, he set up that final goal. He ran until the end. What a performance from him! Yeah, I think, and I think Troy is a, is often a different player with Andre Gray on the pitch. I think they 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 I think they're good mates. They're firm members of the strikers' union, and I think they he he frees Troy up to do to do bits and bobs and and vice versa. And yes, he, I think he probably would have ended up being the full guy had Watford not not managed to turn it around the way they did. But that's that's what happens for strikers. You you need to get yourself in a position to to shoot and have these opportunities. And he and he did that, and and he didn't take them, but. You know, you have to you have to throw his his contribution into the mix, and you rightly point out what an, it was an absolutely lovely uh, weighted ball through for for Delafeu to to finish the third. It really had to sort of watch it again today just to just double check it was Andre Andre Gray playing it through a delightful little dink, and it just I think that speaks to the confidence that there was throughout that Watford team. Even if you know he those missed chances will have been playing on his mind, no doubt. Wembley, Full House, what billions watching round round the world, um, and he'd missed missed fluffed his a couple of times but he just kept going kept going uh, and ultimately had a huge huge hand in in Watford getting through and uh, you know that partnership with Deeney is a must be an absolute pain in the backside for any any defender to any d- defend defensive unit to deal with and I think Troy deserves a bit of credit as well we were we were sort of having a little bit of semi-commentary on our WhatsApp group as we watched it and and DCW rightly pointed out Troy Deeney having a bit of a niggle with Dendonka as the as the afternoon war afternoon wore on and ultimately, he had the last laugh there, didn't he? So, I think everyone everyone did their bit. Every everyone did what they're good at in that Watford side. And someone who perhaps didn't get 
didn't get um, singled out as overly at the at the time. But Roberto Pereira, I thought, played very well as well. He looked very much at home on that big pitch, on the big stage. And he was sort of bossing. He looked very, very comfortable. And it was extraordinary to see him still going at the end of extra time, bombing it down the, bombing it down the wing and, yeah. and, and playing sensibly. And There was a lovely moment. You, you mentioned that in particular. In extra time, Pereira is sprinting back yeah. and... I had to double take. Is that who's that? That's Pereira sprinting yeah. that, and he looked to the heavens as he was sprinting. Just you could just tell he was just going. Oh God, I just can't. I can't. I can't do it. Every sinew of his body was straining, and and it and that was so remarkable to see. When you have seen some of the performances since, it's, it's impossible not to watch this game, knowing what happened afterwards and what's happened mm. since, and look at the differences and try and probably incorrectly sort of read into the reasons why it might have, might have happened or you know what's happened since but they've got you know it is, it is a bit frustrating because Pereira prime example player that when everything's right he's got everything you mentioned uh, Andre Gray there Mike and uh, the one moment though you say it's great ball he put through but I was watching it today and he does he Goes hesitates before he puts that last ball through, and I think, oh, thank God he did it in the right way to put it through for for uh, Jerry to score that that third and his second goal. The, the other thing I never had on the day, being at the game, you can't see the, the the nuances of players, but there was during that penalty, which, as you say, he won not just in that moment, but over the course of that mm. second half with him and Dendonka, was just as he goes to take it. There's a close up of him, and he closes his eyes takes a deep breath and he mutters something to himself. And I don't ever remember Troy Deeney doing that ever in a penalty. He's like, I can do it. Where's the ball? Bang, I'll score. And he sort of, he almost like, God, imagine if he talked himself out of it. He didn't. And he scored. So nothing to worry about. But Jerry, Jerry coming on. He had been, uh, you know, he'd been on the bench. Clear was a bit upset. Uh, if he wasn't, I'm a bit disappointed, but I'm pretty sure he was upset DCW. Uh, I don't think we can talk much more and about how brilliant that first goal of his is. It's just remarkable. It, every time I watch it, I'm I'm consistently just in awe of the way, the actual way he kicks the ball, the technique that he uses. It's so unusual. Like it, it's it's the he sort of you know the way he flicks it, way his 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 leg sort of comes out straight, and it's. It's just, it's just, it's just remarkable. I mean, and it's, it's a testament to his ability that he was able to do it in a game of that pressure in that moment when we we're two 0 down and we needed something. And it really, truly was. There is, there is not a clearer example of a moment of magic changing a football match. And it was amazing. And you know, we, it's something that we don't see enough from him. But no matter. What he goes on to do in his Watford career, if, if he ever plays for us again, who knows? If he never plays another minute for us, he will always be in the you know Watford history books and always be, you know, something of a legend in my eyes for for that individual performance. It was it was incredible. And you say you say John, we can't. There's nothing more to say about the the goal, and I, I would have I would have agreed. But watching it in context, so having had the uh, the you know seventy minutes preceding it, and then seeing it, and then just seeing the way that he just completely uh, confounds all of those defenders that were packed into the into the penalty area, the goalkeeper, 
it was absolutely sublime, genuinely astonishing. And just watching it again this afternoon in context, you know, on TV it, with, with all, everything that was going on around him, almost unbelievable. In fact, it is unbelievable. It was just such an, a fantastic goal, the physics of it, the way he struck it. And everything about his performance I, I loved. And, I mean, people probably forgot that within minutes of coming on, there was a VAR check for a red card mm, yeah. involving Gerard Delafay. He got involved in a bit of fisticuffs down the, uh, down the right... Well, not fisticuffs, but just a bit of handbags down the right-hand side. Where that, and that's where he had been for the majority of the, his, his performance. He switched over to the left side probably, what, a minute before he did that, in, uh, that incredible goal. Um, and then, of course, we forget he got subbed off again. And that the whole thing almost <laughs> sums, sums up Jerry's Watford career in a, in, a, in a nutshell, didn't it? In a mad sort of whatever it was, 40-minute 40 um, cameo. And none of it would have worked. None of it would have happened had, um, had, he, had he started the game because he came on a man-possessed. He was aggravated. He was antsy. He wanted to make a point. And I've, I've no doubt that he wouldn't have conjured up that bit of majesty that bit of magic because that's what it was it was footballing magic footballing wizardry and he just wouldn't have been able to pull that out if he'd been on the pitch for for 70 minutes he just wouldn't have done it because the game wasn't going his way he would have felt like it was drifting away his big game on the big stage Watford losing and it just wouldn't it wouldn't have wouldn't have happened but he found it that fire was lit within him and when you have the genius that he's got you need something to light that blue touch paper. And I will say that I think it was a stroke of genius by, by Javi to, to keep him out of that starting eleven. Watford had played well in the in midweek. Uh, Andre Gray had done well. And he knew that up his sleeve he had this extraordinary player. And it was a gamble in as much as he could have come on with his chin on his chest. But mercurial t- talents like that want to perform on the big stage. You know, we mentioned Pereira looking so at home there. Delafay is the same. They're just so highly skilled. Uh, and just everything that he touched that day was was brilliant, exciting, breathtaking. And, and the goal itself, just having watched it again today, is so unbelievably good. It's magic. And I, I probably I wouldn't I wouldn't put I wouldn't put it past myself to watch it again later. That the sort of last hour, perhaps of the the game, it was just extraordinary from him. It was a great game, uh, and it is part of Watford history. Uh, and it, it, it's one of those things that can never be taken away, no matter what happened afterwards in the league or, or in the cup, in the in the final. Uh, and the the most important thing is if you uh, were paying attention to the game, uh, many of you are either writing or taking part in quizzes. The quiz question for your Watford friends: you can have this one for free. Uh, can you name the three substitutes that Watford had in the FA Cup semi-final against Wolves? The answer being Jared Adafeu. Daryl Yanmat and Ken Simar. It was beautiful seeing Ken come on uh, and trying to remember uh, the things he did last year. Um, thank you very much, DCW. Thank you. I really enjoyed that. It was great to great to take a trip down down memory lane. I just wanted to say before we end, just just to a final reflection mm. on the game because it really did bring back some strong memories for me. And I think it really highlights just like you say, just what, what football really means. And we, we were kind of talking about this earlier on what it what it can mean really to people in, in, in moments of trouble. About two hours after that game, I was in the New York uh, Jets, New York Giants stadium in, in New Jersey, and I was in floods of tears because I'd watched the post-match interview that Troy Deeney did, I think he did it with Be In Sports and Carrie Brown, where he talks about what it means to him scoring that goal and what it means to all the people watching. And he spoke about his dad who'd passed away and how proud he would have been looking down on him. And I thought the same about my dad, who's no longer with us and how 
emotional he would have been and he never got to see this moment and how many thousands of other people have the same thing how emotional that day must have been for so many people who were there and sharing it with their loved ones and i completely broke down i had to be consoled by a complete random stranger as i was buying a hot dog <laughs> and it, it was a completely like absurd moment i i mean i was crying but also sort of laughing and smiling at the same time and you know probably a bit of alcohol had, in the mix had, had pushed it all along as well but i mean it that that day regardless of anything that happened since we'd lost the final we, we we've been crap ever since but that moment those games is what it's all about otherwise it's completely pointless all of the heartbreak and trauma and everything we suffer as football fans we do it for games like that what a great way to finish thank you very much michael you're more than welcome. Uh, and we'll be back uh, soon with more podcasts. In fact, another episode of Watford in 100 Objects. We've just re-watched and loved it even more. Watford winning 3-2 at Wembley against Wolverhampton Wanderers in the FA Cup semi-final. Come on, you horns. 